In 2009, the Phoenix Theater hosted its first Nostalgia Fest. It was billed as an event for sad old geezers, and the show brought together generations of Phoenix family and musicians who had played or spent time in this building uh, over the last 30 years. The show featured reunions from bands we thought we'd never see play again, and best of all, it became a semi-regular tradition. Tonight, we welcome Andy Pohl and Michael John Howden, two of the organizers for Nostalgia Fest, as well as two individuals with extensive histories in the North Bay music scene. That's true. Thank yeah. you guys for letting us on. Yep. Hey, we're really honored. Thanks. This is an event that takes a lot of planning, a lot of logistical stuff, a lot of communication, and I'm sure the other ones did as well. So the, the question is, why are you motivated to go through so much trouble to put on an event like this? <laughs> so many reasons. Uh, Probably the biggest one, and, and I think the one that we would all uh, agree with, is just that we we love the Phoenix Theater. We know how valuable it is to the North Bay music scene. It's got a deep, rich history, and it, what it's been able to help drive as far as the, the music and the other communities within, it's just really an incredible place, and we want to see the doors stay open Forever. So, Andy, you played in several bands, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I played in a few bands. Uh, in my first show ever at the Phoenix Theater was actually, but before I was living up here, I was in a band called the Blast Bandits. The Blast uh, Bandits, out of absolutely. the uh, Ripon, like Modesto area. When I was going to college at Stanislaus State, the music scene in that area, much like it was here, was just on fire. There were tons of bands. There were some really great local all-ages places to go and play. And we made a a ton of great networking connections through these great all-ages venues, the Phoenix Theater being one of them. And I got introduced to what the Phoenix Theater was through bands that were from Petaluma coming to Modesto. This was the first legit venue that we had played. One of the big things that we're doing with Nostalgia Fest, I mean, besides like... Here's your favorite band from when you were 14. You know, part of it really beyond that is just getting people to remember like, oh, wait, I, you know, I used to do this stuff that I was really excited about. Um, And it rekindles creative projects. Right. It like it hooks people up that haven't seen each other in forever and rekindles friendships. It um and we also like to say, you know, hey, you came from here. From the Phoenix, hey, you know, now you're of the generation that can help the younger kids have an awesome place. So I think it's our responsibility for the people who are able. I think it's our responsibility now that we've grown up and, you know, come out the other side of some of that chaos of youth. Boy, and you guys all came out really well, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I've been able to step back and watch, and I got to say, I'm pretty impressed with the generation that came through the '90s. Everybody's just kicking. I, I was really touched, Michael, by what you said about people coming back and rediscovering what got them excited when they were younger. You know, because a lot of people grow up and they kind of forget. It seems like. Yeah. Have you guys witnessed anybody who's come and either played on the <clears throat> stage or been a part of it, and then you just you see something inside them where it reawakens, and you can just kind of see that they were energized by a nostalgia fest. Well, I, I know I see it with tons of people just like on the night of. It's, of course, yeah. hard to track what happens after that. <laughs> yeah. um, the big ones are things like the Invalids. Right. The Invalids did a reunion here for the first one and then proceeded to, you know, fully reform and yeah, put out a whole playing. new album. Yeah, they put out a new album. Right. And yeah. how long had it been since they had played? Um, I would guess somewhere in the range of like... Ten years. Yeah, wow. it's been a while. Yeah. You know, and the Louis did that kind the of. Louis yeah, the Louis, yeah, the Louis, they're back and playing. And the Louis yep. are playing occasionally. Yeah. Michael, let's talk a little bit about the stuff you've done or been a part of. 
Uh, the, the big one is really Section M. Yeah. Um, Section M Magazine. Section M Magazine. I used to run a local music magazine. Um, for Initially, it was for the North Bay, and then we realized that there was no way in hell that we could actually make anything like a living doing it just for the North Bay and um, decided that we were going to try and take the stead of like where BAM had gone under um, and try and expand into the whole Bay Area. Well, there's a reason that BAM went under and they had funding um, and we really didn't accept my credit cards. So, (laughs) um, And this is the mid-90s? The first issue came out in 1998 and it ran through 2003, um, at which point I was financially ruined um, <laughs> physically Luckily, and mentally he had a degree too. to fall back on um, right <laughs> yeah no the, the entire time that I'd been doing that I had been um, doing architectural drafting also um, so somehow I managed to be good enough at my day job yeah. that they would put up with me disappearing for a month at a time to go put out an issue but you really went all in on section M then yeah, yeah. Mean, to the extent that it Left you financially scarred. Yeah, yeah. I, I lost a ton of money on that. I think if you look um, back I in the history s- of, of Sonoma County rock and roll, there's a few people financially scarred. <laughs> yeah, just a few. Oh, just I mean, I, I understand it completely, and I know I mean, Tom I, does. I mean, that's just kind of how it tends to go when you're yeah. doing stuff like that. I didn't that. lose right. as much as if I'd started a venue. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there's that old adage: if you're doing it for money, you're in it for the wrong reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But on the other end of the spectrum, uh, you know, when people are like, "So, you know, what, what, did, what were you doing?" Um, <laughs> <laughs> I say, you know, I realized later it was not a business plan. It was a public service. You know, yeah. we were this huge success with the readership, with um, really helping to to be one of those hubs of the wheel to like help all of the the really great bands get seen by the fans that wanted to see really great bands, and there were a lot of fans that wanted to see great you bands, know, but they were driving down to the city. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it was it was one of those things where we were young and we were very, very passionate about what we were doing, but we didn't have any business skills. It was incredibly successful with, like, building something, but it was not ever successful financially. Well, I mean, you said people would ask you, what were you doing? And then you didn't really have an answer for them <laughs> as to what it was. Tom, I'll ask you a pointed question. Huh. Why do you do this? Oh, I could not tell you. Yeah. What the, I mean, because, you, you know, people probably ask. Your father yeah, probably has been looking at you for 30 years. Oh, yeah. Saying, no, like, yeah. What in the world Family are you doing? Family was always a little confused about that. There's, yeah. I mean, that's absolutely true. If you had to give us a sync answer, could you? Uh, you know, uh, no, you just have to come and spend some time and, and make your own judgment as to that. Yeah. I'm having a great time. I'm having a great time. Uh, I'm still alive and I still am eating. Uh, you know, yeah. I got a roof over my head. <laughs> Holy cow, if I can yeah. do this for another, what? Oh, God. Twenty years? Yeah, let's say twenty. Yeah, okay, yeah. Go, go another twenty years, and, yeah. and that At should least, do it. Yeah. And then, yeah, and, and I'm yeah. not pressing you for a specific answer. I just think that there's like an emotional and also yeah. just yeah. S- almost spiritual satisfaction to doing projects like Section M or projects like the Phoenix. Yeah. You just you you wake up and you feel like you're doing something that is of some importance and it's important to you. So yeah, I mean, I right. I know that like I had just graduated from college. At that point, I'd graduated from Sonoma State with a, you know, really useful um, studio art degree. I'd been through this, like, horrible breakup a few years before and was still sort of casting around, trying to figure out, like, what am I doing? Like, who am I? What do I do? Um, And so, you know, there were conversations late at night with other friends in the music community. and, um, And we were talking about, okay, well, what are we missing here? 
Um, and one of the things we saw in Sacramento was Alive and Kicking, Alive and kicking yeah. by Jerry Perry. And mm-hmm. we're like, God, that's awesome. We need something like that for here. And... You know, we just sort of kept saying, gosh, I wish someone would do it until finally I was like, right, <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's see if we can make this happen. And yeah. and I really, I, I don't know that I ever had the intention. In fact, I know that I did not have the intention of being the leader of it. I was just like, okay, well, I'm good at logistics. I'll help you guys get this started. And then... You know, fast forward like a month and a half and I'm putting it on my credit cards um, yeah. <laughs> to put out the first issue. And there was just something that clicked at that point, even though I knew nothing at all about doing a magazine. I had no training in that at all. I had a useful art degree, but it just it became something that was like, this is what I do. This is like the, part of your was, identity. And it was definitely part of my identity. Well, um, yeah. And the music scene, it, it, it really was. Well, yeah. even past that, I mean, just you as a person, when somebody yeah. asked you like, who are you? What do you do? And you had to introduce yourself. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I run section M. The relationship ending is like a death. A band ending is like a death. Right. That's emotionally difficult. Yeah. Uh, was it disastrous for you personally when section M ended or was it actually quite a relief when section um, M ended or was it both? That sort of thing is always a little bit of both. I, I was so burnt out by the time I got to the end of it. I was, I was really, I was starting to have like um, health problems. I was, I just couldn't handle the amount of caffeine anymore that was required to do it. Like I was, I was at the point where like the credit cards were starting to bang on my door because right in the middle. So. So just backing up a second, um, like when we did our big push to be an East, you know, East Bay, San Francisco, South Bay, Sacramento um, thing, that was right when one of the huge distributors went belly up and some of the executives walked away with all the money and like a lot of the record labels lost literally millions of dollars. Was that was that Mortem? I don't think it was Mortem. I think it was. Anyways. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry. But um, so that happened. And then right around the time, um, right around the end of 2002, there was a a serious hiccup in what I was doing for a living at that point, which um, was uh, I was doing mostly designing hospital remodels and in my architectural drafting world. So I think that was when Health Plan of the Redwoods went under. Um, and so suddenly that rippled to all these hospitals that were paying my client to pay me to draw the remodels went, we're going to put all those on hold for like eight months. Um, and I had no work at all. So my way of paying off all these bills that, that I was like just skating right on the edge of just went away. Um, and I tried for like six months to, um, pay for it by getting out and selling ads myself. That was a crazy idea. I wound up living with my parents. Um, And yeah, so when it finally came to the point where we had to say, no, I need to stop, I was was devastated physically, but I was also devastated emotionally that I had, I just had to, I couldn't do it anymore. And the fact that it was such a huge, huge part of my persona at that point. Um, that was that was really hard to to figure out. Like, who the hell am I now if I don't have this? I mean, that's how I was introduced to Michael at first. Was I was playing in a band called California Redemption, and you know they had done a couple of quick little blurbs about us in an album review and whatnot. And 
you know, I remember reaching out to him and asking him about setting up maybe a, a show because they were doing a bunch of shows and, you know, we were able to, to do one and I actually met you at Closed Creamery. Uh, I remember outside and we talked a little bit and whatnot, but that was how I identified with him. Oh, yeah. And I think that's how a lot of people yeah. were introduced to Michael. We just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. We yeah. were trying to do something that was too big and, and we didn't have any real financial backing. The only... Yeah. The only financial backing I got besides credit cards through the whole thing is Roger Tashan. Wow, yeah, Grizzly. Roger Tashan loaned me $5,000 at one point to expand, and we expanded to 20,000 issues on the streets, and that was the moment that that record um, distributor went under. So it's not just the way it is, though. You're you're, you're like trying so hard to keep this thing sustainable, but it's not, but it's part of your identity, so it goes away. We had Lance from Schizo on. And he talked yeah, about totally. schizo breaking on at a, or breaking up at a certain point because of, everybody died or left the <laughs> yeah, band, right. and so he wasn't doing it anymore. And he just people would come up to him and they say, "When's the next show? When's this? When's that?" And he fell into a pit of uh, hard times. And I'm sure that you, for a long time, had to deal with that. Oh yeah, um, I mean, for probably took years to really fully uh, get your footing back. I would assume. Yeah, you know, I think that for the first like, really, there was like a five year period there where. I mean, I spent two and a half years just, I declared bankruptcy, but then I spent two and a half years giving gifts to the people who I had stiffed that weren't credit cards. Um, So I made sure that everybody that I owed money to got a gift in that amount of money, um, even though the the state of California said I didn't have to. Um, But during that entire time, I was living with my parents um, in a, like, nine by nine water tower. (laughs) And definitely the first six months or so were... I, I was really, really, really Closed depressed. Um, watched a lot of TV. I, I guess my point is, if you thought the breakup was bad five years ago or six years ago when you were just doing Section M, I mean, imagine Section M uh, going away. Now you're six years on, and you, again, don't know what your identity is or what you're, what you're supposed to do. Yeah, Which leads totally. me to my next point. The Phoenix was going to close down. Oh, well, we've had a couple of Well, but it was right. really going to close down. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, the building had been sold, yeah, boy, and you were selling yeah. off things, and you were getting ready for your next yeah, step. How did you handle that? <laughs> you know, it, it, uh, in a different... Uh, part of me didn't ever feel like it was going to close, and the other part of me was looking down the road. Uh, I, I actually had planned on doing a road trip for several months to just see what I was going to do. Uh, that was uh, a better time for me financially, so I was in a better place. It was actually, if the Phoenix was going to close, that would have been the time to do it. And if I was, uh, financially, if I was wise, I probably would have. Um, but here we are. It's uh, <laughs> 10 of the, almost the best years we've had. We had the, the 80s and the 90s were spectacular, but uh, the last 10 years have been pretty darn special as well. So, what makes yeah. you make that statement? Uh, the people have been through it. The bands we've still been able to see. Uh, I had a chance to uh, learn more about urban art, about graffiti art and graph art, and start to work with the graph artists a lot more. Uh, because up until uh, up up to the point where we were about to close, we really had done a little bit with art, but have never had a chance. To, I never had a chance to really study it like we we have now, and and uh, this really been great to watch uh it's been special for the last 10 years watching that and getting to know uh many players many musicians coming through and we've got people doing music lessons here so i get to watch that growth um and we've seen again some incredible bands come through in that period but being able to hang and and uh kind of see what goes on in with the graph artists has, has been really special and every generation uh, in the last 10 years we've had 
oh boy, uh, three really, really strong crews that have come through. And the one right now, these, these kids that are hanging down here now are really uh, a hell of a crew. Like them a lot. So even like the the big national bands don't even really register on your radar of important things that you've experienced just as an individual down here. You, I mean, it's cool to host a big band, yeah, but for cool. you, it's diff- what what turns you on is different than that. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's still the local stuff. It's just being actually what turns me on is uh, walking to work every day, walking yeah. through the neighborhoods of Petaluma and walking to work every day is just it's such a cool thing. Opening the front door and walking in here and, and uh, seeing the Phoenix is uh, it's still my best friend. And so, yeah, that's part of it. I never know where it's going to take me and what I'm going to be doing next. And try, quite frankly, uh, when I came here in 1983, it was a one-year project. And that's all I'll commit to at any one time. I'm, I'm here probably for another year at least. So, Andy, uh, you do some things nowadays. You have Sell the Heart. Yeah, sell the heart records. I was playing in bands up until about a couple of years ago. I actually recently moved down to Berkeley, and sell the heart records still exists in name, but I haven't really been doing anything with it for like the last uh, about, about a year. Do you identify with Section M's issues that the organization encountered and that the Phoenix has encountered in terms of financial sustainability? Well, sure. And I mean, you know, like I said before, I got into it without any intention of trying to make money off of it. Like, that was not my intention at all. That would have been a nice thing to have happened to help sustain it. But still, we just we could not sell enough units to make enough money to continue on the trend that we had to even break even right to to even break even and that's okay because thankfully we did start with a crowdfunded you know it wasn't a whole lot of money out of my own pocket it was some but it wasn't a ton um but it, it a lot of it came down to i just didn't have time for it anymore too you know so um ideally i will continue with sell the heart records and in the future once i'm back in a spot where i can financially do it invest some money into it and then keep that going because i love to do it like that's why i do it Besides doing the records, I was doing a lot of show promotion. I did a lot of shows over at the Arlene Francis Center. Um, I did a couple of one-off gigs at, um, there was a church on Orchard Street in Santa Rosa. I did a show there once. It's interesting. Santa Rosa, I think a lot of communities are like Santa Rosa, where it just doesn't seem to be very kind to this sort of thing, which is another reason not to have this be just a long infomercial for the Phoenix, but it's another reason to have places like the building we're in right now. Well, right. And to go back about like why we're doing Nostalgia Fest is like, this is one of the last places to really do that in this yeah. in this area at least that has yeah. a like strong foothold and it's has a long history right boys yeah. it got the long history i just have ultimate respect that basically as far as i can tell the operating like system here is like okay we're going to book these great big national acts and we're going to make some money off of that and then we are just going to blow that money by yes. making sure that the the doors are open so that like little kid punk rock bands can play mm-hmm. and live the dream and hopefully like you know give them something positive I but mean, those yeah. little kid punk right. rock bands oh, man. might turn into one of the great bands later you know, they and, might. and those kids go on like that that you know not to be too schmaltzy but that right there changes those kids' lives. It does, but oh, you know, there's other things they get out of playing in bands, and that's what I've noticed about most of the players. A lot of things that they learn uh, in just the the mechanics of, of forming a band, sure, uh, practicing with the band, 
getting together for the shows, doing some self-promotion, and then actually performing. And these are, are skills that stay with these kids, yeah. and, and they fall back on as they become adults. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's not a question of whether we can make money with it or whether the bands will make money or even become big bands because we don't get that an awful lot. I think they're getting life experiences that, that they can take with yeah. them. And, and the other thing that, that I, I – like I've always been kind of mystified when the towns like Santa Rosa – are, you know, at least some of the politicians are talking about how, like, oh, you know, there's a terrible influence on these kids to be in these places, and I mean, we need to shut down the clubs because all these kids are drinking. And, and I, I see it and go, God, you know, when those kids are at those clubs, they are happy, they, are, they have hope, they um, think that life is good and that there's, like, something good ahead for them. And when you take that away and you go to, like, you go to some of these, like, little dinky towns where they don't have anything creative to do that's when you get the kids binge drinking in the creek right yeah. you know that that's when you get kids like doing meth and like falling way the fuck off like losing hope yeah. so i think that you have to have positive places for kids yeah. to go to i think the building gives hope in a lot of different ways. I yeah. think it gives it in, in, in an immediate way to the people who are using the building now, and I think it gives it in like a distant way to people who have gone on and done other things. Well, and I think the, the other thing that's really important, and this is something that like, you know, when I finally got past the point where when people came up to me and said like, oh, the magazine's amazing, you're going to put out an, another issue, and that didn't make me just like, beyond sad and feel like I had let them down. Um, what I finally started hearing from people when I listened past that was people started telling me like, you know, man, what you did was just, it just inspired me. Yeah. Um, it just gave me hope. Like I don't play music. I don't make art. I don't do any of these things, but you know, the, here's the thing that I do do. And seeing you guys, even seeing you guys in the magazine do this crazy thing and like go out on a limb and make it work. Um, that gave me the hope to follow my dream. And now I'm in college studying, you know, whatever it was that they told me that they love. And it's like, what? Really? You know, I I did that for you. Yeah, because <laughs> wow, they that's saw amazing. you do it. Like, because they saw you know, that it could be done. And, and I'm, like, that's the kind of stuff that makes me like get all weepy. Like that is like, okay, what I did was totally worth it because there's been a lot of people that have told me that either yeah. in bands or fans or readers. Um, and well, you know, I'm sure Section that M the Phoenix is doing the same thing. You know, it's same thing. The, the Phoenix can be a catalyst for a lot of different crews and a lot of different people. And Section M was a great catalyst. Yeah. There are less bands. And, and the music scene in Sonoma County is, is nowhere near what it was in the 90s and even nowhere near what it was in the early 2000s. Why do we think that is? Does anybody have anything to offer up? You know, I've I've gone back and forth with, with what I think the the re the reason is, and I I don't know. I have a beef with the internet. You know, uh, I like the internet. I use the internet. It's a great tool, um, but I think that it's kind of left people with no surprises anymore. You know, um, you know, when I was in high school and in college, you know, the internet was there and we could use it, but you know, you weren't using it to try to discover new music. That's true. Um, so you had to go to the show. And there were shows, so yeah. you could go to them. Um, there were luckily venues that were, you know, allowing bands to set up and play, and you could enjoy a full weekend of shows in your hometown. You didn't have to leave town. You didn't have to go all the way from Modesto to San Francisco because the bands were coming to you. Yeah. And unfortunately, I, I know that for myself, if 
if I'm really interested in a band, I will go see them. You know, I will go ahead and go to Sacramento or go to San Francisco if I need to to go check them out because I really want to. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think that because people have such instant access to a band's biography, their, their full body of work, you know, a history before when their first album came out, all of that information is right there at their fingertips they can already make an assessment as to whether or not they will like them or not, you know, and if it's even worth the half hour drive to go to the venue or or to to purchase that ticket to go to that show. I think part of it too is just, and and this is where it gets like complicated because I think that the biggest thing that we did as a magazine was to tell people, Hey, the scene is really great. Yeah. Like it's really hopping. There's all these awesome bands it's really cool to go to these shows and if you tell people that often enough they believe it and then it becomes true because then all of those people are going to the shows and more bands form and and great bands form out of that and like everyone's having a great time and then the scene really is awesome um and i mean i think that that's the big thing that we did um you know kind of fumblingly and by accident but um we really did this sort of like little mini um, benevolent social engineering to convince people that it was awesome to go to shows and it really created a culture of going to shows. Um, and I think that can arise organically, um, but by organically, that usually means that there's people behind the scenes who are thanklessly working their asses off. Yeah. Every scene that has organically grown that has people behind the scenes that are doing thankless work. So for all the reasons we've discussed and all of the emotions and histories and bands and experiences, um, Nostalgia Fest formed. And you guys are two of the organizers of Nostalgia Fest. Absolutely. I would imagine with each one of these that you've done, and this will be the fourth uh, Nostalgia Fest, there there probably are a collection of moments. Someone has passed on, so there's a tribute on stage, or there's people being in the same building, haven't been in the same building for 10 years, or yeah, right. 15 years. Does anything come to mind from the past three events you've done that were just special moments? Something that touched you particularly, or you, Tom? Or <clears throat> Well, there was, um, uh, during the 15 set... Um, I can't yeah. remember the guy's name off the top of my head. This is but 2011, was, the second yeah, one. Yeah, the, there, um, there was a guy that joined him on stage that hadn't been on stage with him in, God, I don't know how long, but a long time. And the guy was up there with, like, didn't he have some sort of, like, hadn't he had, like, mouth surgery or throat surgery or something oh, two days before? Yeah. It was just crazy. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was really amazing. And also during that same set, someone jumped up to the front and... Um, had him give him the mic and proposed to his girlfriend yes, right there right. in the middle of the show. That's cool. Um, and the crowd went crazy. Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was fortunate enough to perform, you know, uh, for yeah. one of them. And like th- that to me meant so much because these were guys who, you know, I just I care so much about. And we hadn't been all together in the same room for years. You know, and, and, and not because we didn't want to be, but because just logistically we couldn't make it work. But when we opted to do it, we were, everyone was just so excited and so thrilled to do it and to be on the stage again playing those songs and just having a good old time. Man. It was like nothing had changed. Yeah, yeah there were, um, there's one that's, you know, like I told you before, there, there's one that um, sort of counts as the 0.5 of uh, the Nostalgia Fests and is really the thing that got me kind of, 
to think even of this as an idea of something to do. Tell um, us about what you mean so, by point um, five. So a- after my like, you know, five years of kind of you know, recovering from the magazine, um, I realized that we were coming up on the 10 year anniversary of the very first issue that we'd ever put out. So, and you know, after I had been through some health stuff and I was starting to kind of come out the other end of that. Um, so I felt capable of putting on a show again for the first time in a long time. Um, and so I decided to put on a section M reunion and try and get all the staff back together that I could find, like, which was not everybody, but you know, all the, the scattered to the wind people that, we had had on our staff and so I could you know say hi to him again and you know say thank you because we just sort of like crumbled at the end and never really got to have a like send-off and so as part of that I don't know what made me think it was like a reasonable thing to request but I contacted some of the bands that had been like kind of you know a, a part of Section M's world um, and asked them, you know, hey, would you do a reunion for us? And so I asked the Reliables to do a reunion. I asked Crop Duster to do a reunion. I asked um, 20 Minute Loop to play, who was Uh, only barely playing at that point. Um, And I asked um, the Blockheads to play. And the Blockheads. And since it was like a, you know, a, a thing about Section M... Of course, I was like a little bit center of attention, um, but I was really getting surrounded by a lot of people like, you know, hugging me and saying, thank you for what you did. I really appreciate it. Um, it was a really, you know, and, th- and that was a really big thing for me. Um, but there were kind of two things that stood out that night. When the Blockheads played, I just burst into tears. Um, and I think it was just a culmination of the entire night and a culmination of all those years of being, you know, kind of angry at music for ruining my life and, you know, that, that sort of stuff. Like, that, not rational, but, like, that's what I had been going through. Um, and realizing that I could still really love watching bands and that I just absolutely, like, was filled with ecstatic joy watching the Blockheads play. You know, those guys were always fun to watch anyway. The Blockheads always had fun when they were playing. And they were were great. They were were tighter than they ever were back in the day. Um, And there were, you know, there were kids that had helped me with the show saying like, these guys were really popular, right? These were like a national band. I'm like, no, this was just one of our local bands. They were great. But then the other thing that was, that really stuck out for me was after when the show was all kind of shutting down at the end um, and people were saying goodbye, um, one of the kids from uh, the Reliables came up to me and said that it was just amazing to finally get to have, you know, to finally get to have a last show because they just broke up and never really had a last show. And that it was, he said that it was like getting to go to your own funeral and listen to people talk about how much they loved you. (laughs) Um, and that it was just the absolute perfect send-off for his band and, like, just, you know, to finally put it to rest and make it this, like, really sweet, beautiful memory for him. And I think that that right there, I think, was the kernel of, like, oh, man, I guess I got got to keep doing this. Yeah, let's do it again. Because this is just amazing. A while ago, we talked about people being in bands and then the bands break up and they can't talk anymore because these bands form when people are in this adolescent, teenage, uh, early 20s, angsty, irrational, Mm -hmm. artistic period. Everything matters. It it matters. (laughs) And and, and as time goes on, you kind of 
yeah. you know, things numb out a little bit if you survive and uh, right. you kind of be disabused of your romantic uh, illusions, as Ralph put it on a prior episode. And, yeah. But all those emotions are still deep inside of you and those experiences you had during that time period so, still mean so much and are still there. And so to have a way to go back and revisit them and celebrate them is yeah, really beautiful. Yeah. The bands are, are such a strong part of it and, and one of the best parts of it, but also the audience uh, is... Oh, yeah. is a reunion for so many friends on the oh, floor, yeah. and that's really special. Yeah, and just being among that crowd on the floor is is one of the high points of the show. Yeah. Hundreds of bands have come out of Sonoma County. It's a very special area for music. Sure, yeah, for sure. People outside of the immediate scene maybe aren't aware that it's such a fertile ground, but it is, and that's probably why you'll be able to do these for years to come if that is your interest. Yeah, for sure, definitely. It's special and it's exciting for it all the reasons special. we've yeah. we've mentioned. Well, and what's cool is like you know we can have a show where we have a band like 15 and a band like seven year winter you know yeah i mean 15 were a very very big oh. prolific band you yeah. know i mean they were on a, a a really good um you know indie label for many years they released a ton of ton of material solid players you know and and seven writers. year winter you know were a, a bunch of great dudes um they didn't have the kind of career that 15 did but this was where they came up and yeah. you know they were only together for a few years but they came and they played and you know all it was great, great to have them yes. in the same room with all these other people and and all these other um, people coming to see the other bands, but they're like, oh, yeah, Seven Year Winter. These guys are pretty yes. good, you know, yeah, or you know, whoever. Yeah. So Yeah, and sometimes yeah. people, you know, this kind of show, this is the first time people will hear that band yeah. and go, well, wow, God, I'm I wish I'd... i bummed I missed them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I'd seen them back in the day and, yeah. like, you know, go go get one of the CDs that they're giving away at the table and, um, yeah. and go, God, you know, man, I love this band now. Yeah. Why go see a movie? with reunions and emotions with fictional characters right. and you could come live it. Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. I appreciate you guys doing it. I know you've spoken to me, Tom. You appreciate yeah. them doing it. I appreciate it. them, yeah. And we appreciate you coming on on stage with Jim yes. and Tom. Yeah, yeah. And this was, it took a while. Here. Thank you. Yeah. These guys are not easy to get in front of a microphone, I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was great, and thank you. And I really do hope that we can continue to have these shows here for years to come. Yeah. And we say good night to everyone listening. Good night. Good night. Good night.